Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Good afternoon, everybody. The Travel Addict here, which is Malcolm Teasdale, of course. Welcome. Glad you to be along. And this afternoon... It's this afternoon in mountain time as well. I'm in central time, but my guest today is in mountain time. Helen Edwards is here, and she is host of the Sexy Freedom Media podcast. She's also a movement speaker, a collaborator, an event creator. We're going to find more about that as we go along, but welcome, Helen. Glad you could be here. Thank you for having me, Malcolm. Pleasure. I've read a little bit about you, but your profile intrigued me. And I know you're host of the Sexy Freedom Media podcast. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But my questions are quite pointed. I hope you don't mind. In your title description, you wrote down, protect the throne. And I thought, protect the throne. Sounds like something royalty, but I know it's not. Please define a little bit about yourself and what that mean to you. Okay, so protect the throne is actually, uh, it's just a coin term that I started um, when I when I do public speaking or I do some tribal workshops or, you know, uh, retreats. I teach the concept at my retreat and it's based on nurturing the warrior within and it has to do, I mean, it started long before, you know, everybody was before everybody started calling themselves king and queen. It got really popular. But I figured if you're going to call yourself a queen, if you're going to call yourself a king, just know the warrior is doing all the work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So but it really goes deeper. Protecting the throne is, you know, goes back in biblical times too, in ancient times where the throne represented it represented your body. So you know, and the whole, whole thing about your body is mind, body, and spirit. So, you know, with all these things going on in the world, both past, present, and future, who stands at the guard of your throne protecting it? It's the warrior that protects it for the queen and the king. If you want to look at it as a visual term for a kingdom. So protecting the throne means, you know, nurturing your warrior, having your warrior take care of your mind, body, and spirit, and so on and so forth in that matter. You really mean taking care of yourself amongst all the troubles and strife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Much. Yeah, we've got to do that. I mean, as much as uh, 2020 was pretty horrible for a lot of us, um, and there's always going to be problems. There always has been growing up for me, mm-hmm. issues. But my, my parents were World War II vets, and mm-hmm. you know what we went through last year doesn't even compare to that era. So we're still mm-hmm. fortunate, but there's all these little troubles and challenges we have. We just have to overcome them ourselves because no one's going to take care of us. So we have to deal with it ourselves. So, so that's that's good. I know what you mean there. Now, you also say you are a, a movement speaker. Interesting term, speaker. Yeah, I get movement speaker. Explain that, please. 
Well, I really didn't know what a good title for myself was because I didn't feel like I fit the mold of one certain label when I started speaking because at the because the results that I felt like I was seeing from attendees were you know the feedback was you know because of you I did this I started doing this and it was different things and same with everything I do and I realized one of my biggest my biggest uh approaches and and message was take action so action is movement and i'm very passionate about that so i basically help people make moves and <laughs> i thought well i guess i'm a movement speaker a movement coach yeah makes sense to me yeah <laughs> you're basically saying to encourage people to get off their backsides and do something with their lives is that pretty much it? Yes. Of course. Make moves. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, we, we've all known people like that in our lives, and uh, it's very important. Some people just don't want to. I get it. But if you can um, install that uh, piece of encouragement, it always helps, doesn't it? And um, that, that's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you also you, you mentioned you do some speaking, public speaking, or, or, or what? Is this part of this motivational thing or movement? thing you're talking about? Well, I started speaking 12 years ago in shelters. That's why I got started my speaking uh, career, I guess you can call. <laughs> and the idea was to give back to the community mm-hmm. because in order to get to receive, you've got to give. So I started giving at, in volunteer. And my first giving was not money or anything like that. It was it was myself. I gave of myself. I created the movement within myself. And so, yeah, I've been public speaking for 12 years. I've never had formal training. I've never had any training at all. Um, I've just developed my skills over time through trial and error. That's the best way to learn, isn't it? Birth by fire. Yes. Trial and error. And believe me, it was fire. (laughs) (laughs) You just, you know, you're going to make mistakes along the way, but, but it's all right. When you say, um, um, the people in shelters, are you talking about homeless people? Yes. Um, those who consider themselves homeless or displaced, um, you know, there was, uh, shelters also where, uh, it was single parents, um, you know, maybe a holding space in between, t- in between. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of weird about the, the term homeless, uh, just because there's homeless, homeless, and then there's, you know, there's people that are just in a holding space for the moment. So yes, yeah. people on the street, and yeah. but most, mostly known as homeless. Yeah. What do you do? I'm just curious if you go and speak to these people, which can be classed as the unfortunate, the downtrodden and whatever. Um, and we feel sorry for them. What, what can you say to them that will give them hope? Well, I, the approach that I've taken is, more on a tough love sort of, you know, basically delete, delete a lot of terminology from your mind and start changing your perspective and shifting your energy because what you're going to put out is what you're going to get back. And, you know, when I started at the shelter, um, I, I remember at one time I was living out of my car, uh, and really having a hard time. And I thought, 
I'm going to go in and teach them because I need to teach myself also. So we're going to do this together. So I, whatever I spoke to them, I was also speaking to myself. And what I was saying is shift your perspective, change your mindset, stop feeling sorry for yourself and warrior up because you're about to get, you're about to go forward and you're, it's going to take everything you have. And that doesn't mean money. It doesn't mean materials. It means your perseverance to get out of where you're at to get forward. Yeah. Well, of course, we, we, we both know that wealth does not mean happiness. However, <laughs> they've got to be able to start somewhere. When they're in a shelter with no money in their pockets, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. can they do? I mean, you know, where do they go? They've just leave, they walk out of the building they're in or they're on the street. What possibilities have they got at that time in life? I mean, well, you got to remember too, there's a lot of possibilities, especially if you're in America. So you got to pull your resources. Resources are wealth. And if you're in a shelter, first of all, that's your number one resource because you got a shelter over your head. Mm. From there, you start networking with maybe the volunteers, maybe the the people who come in and start talking to you. So start pulling your resources, start networking, start finding out what people are doing, sit down with them, have a conversation. Yeah, I bet you there's some success stories out there with people who have been in situations like that and ultimately have done really well for themselves. I've read a Mm -hmm. few stories like that, but it's very commendable, Helen. So um, excellent work there. Um, Now, you do some collaboration or create events. Um, Is that the same thing as what we've just been talking about? Is this something above and beyond what you collaborate and what events do you set up? No, my collaborations are a little bit different. Uh, speaking events are a little bit bigger when I create those. I do some collaborations with other speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it depends when I do them and who I do them with and where I do them at. Uh, but the the main collaborations I do are, you know, maybe online events as far as workshops, um, also yoga retreats mm-hmm. and yoga workshops. So podcasting, collaborating, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Yeah, all good. Every little bit helps. Every little bit helps. Yeah. Well, you got a passion yeah. for it, and that's the main thing. Now, you mentioned a word I've never heard before, yogini. Now, okay, I I don't know. Yogini sounds sort of um, oriental, certainly, probably not. But it's a practitioner of certain things. You mentioned tantra, yoga, and two religions. <laughs> Okay, so explain the uh, what that's about. When you say practitioner, you teach it or or, or encourage people right. to do it. So, so I teach yoga. Uh, I've been teaching for about six years, and yogini is kind of like the feminine term for it, um, or yogi, also the masculine, uh, whatever you'd identify with. <laughs> but I know that for me. Yoga is affiliated with the uh, Hindu uh, or the Hindu religion. Um, but for me, myself, personally, um, I pull from various uh, religions and spiritual beliefs because they all kind of center at the, I mean, each one usually has a message of be kind, be good, and, uh, you know, be good to yourself and your brethren, <laughs> sisters. So, I'm very fascinated by religion and spirituality and also science. So I I love them all and just pull magic from wherever it's at. Now, yogini and yoga. Now, I don't mean to be funny here, 
It's okay. <laughs> Yogi Bear is not in any part of this, right? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Somewhere a... down the line. Of... <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know, but Yogi Bear is the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't seem like he does yoga to me, but <laughs> there's some memes. I'm out just there. curious. I just had it came it came into my brain cells, so I had to mention it there. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> now, with with the religious aspect of this, Hinduism and Buddhism. Have you been to any countries that practice these religions? Yes. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I have been to, I mean, I've been to, to Cairo and I've been to Africa, Rwanda. And um, I don't say, I wouldn't say I ran into people who, who actually practice them. I I ran into travelers who were in the countries who practice them. So I don't really think that I've found a big area where they do those, either one of those, as far as where I've well, been. Well, there's to. plenty of them and plenty of them. If, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure, sure if it's in Asia, um, but if you want to actually experience Hinduism, you don't have to practice it to go there, but um, right. the spirituality of it all, uh, there's plenty of places um, in Asia, obviously Tibet, uh, uh, Bhutan, Places in India, of course. If you places want to I really still get, have yet to experience go. <laughs> this, add that to your bucket list because these are really special mm-hmm. places. I'm telling you. So, yeah. okay, well, well, that's good. And of course, especially with Buddhism, though I mentioned before, like wealth does not mean happiness. The people understand that clearly. It doesn't mean anything. They mm-hmm. all their quest is to be happy in life, and it works for them. Yeah. Okay, so you've been. I'm going to ask you about Rwanda in a minute. Okay, so mm-hmm. but you, you have you ever been? To, you haven't been to Southeast Asia or Asia as a whole, the continent. Uh, no, I don't think I have. Okay, got it. Um, however, uh, you've been to. You, you mentioned your two favorite places. One I can understand; the other not so much. Uh, you've been to Rwanda. Now it's always intrigued me. In fact, I had it on my to-do list last year because that didn't happen. I was just going to do a stopover in uh, Kigali okay, on the yeah. way to uh, somewhere else. However, um, you spent time there. Did you did, – you must have gone to Kigali, uh, but did you go and see the gorillas as well while you were there? I turned down going to see the gorillas. I actually went on a safari instead. Okay. You went on a safari. And what was it like there, by the way? Just curious. Rwanda. at the safari rwanda oh my god it was beautiful i i loved it yeah and what was the capital city like kigali i mean was it uh, is it somewhat modern these days or um it's pretty busy uh mm-hmm. I, yeah it's it's somewhat modern yeah i know the country's obviously had a history of turmoil and i think it's pretty safe now it's, it's stable you can't say that about a lot of countries in the world but i think it's pretty stable and i felt completely such safe, uh, safe going there and I thought if I go there, I wouldn't mind um, going on an excursion. You have to go with one of the locals to see the gorillas in their natural habitat. And uh, that's what I was hoping to do. But it obviously never materialized. So it's something I'm going to have to uh, think about in the future. But it's easy. It's a lot easier to get to than you think by flying in there. You can fly in there and then you fly Rwanda mm-hmm. Airlines out. And uh, I was on my way yeah. to Zanzibar, actually, but obviously that never happened. So uh, it's worth a visit. How long were you there for, by the way? I was there, I believe, uh, seven, eight, nine, about eight or nine days. 
Oh, okay. That's that's a pretty good amount of time to, to actually see the place. And your other favorite place is Paris, right? I loved Paris. <laughs> so, yes. Tell me why you love Paris. I think I loved Paris so much just because of the the diverse of amount of people. The language was so beautiful. Uh, <laughs> I loved the everything that they had in the streets. I mean, the it reminded me a lot of New York. Yeah. However, it was it just seemed like the people were much more embracing of each other and their differences. The cultures were intermixed. The food was great. Uh, I, I had a great time there. Okay. I was there for a week. You stay in the city center, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Yeah. How long ago was that? Uh, 2011. Oh, 2011. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. To be honest with you, I haven't seen too much of Paris. It's, it's not, it's, you know, we all have these th- so things called bucket list, overused term. I know that's not mm-hmm. a, that's one that's not on it. <laughs> Whatever reason, yeah. <laughs> I do my do my time in big cities, and I, I go off the beaten track locations right now. But it, you know, my my sister's been there, and she liked it without being overwhelmed by it. People have different opinions of the place. I've been to Strasbourg, mm-hmm. but. Um, the only time I went to Paris was flying through there, actually. I got, got totally confused in Paris airport. I find that confusing. But, you know, <laughs> if you stay in the center of Paris, easy walking distance to see the, um, the museum and Eiffel Tower, you just walk around there, mm-hmm. easy to get around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Got it. And you love the food. Do you speak the language, by the way? I don't speak any other languages. You know, it's crazy. One of the things that, so we did, uh, me and my best friend, we backpacked and we just did a week here, got on a plane, did a week somewhere else, got on a plane, you know, so on and so forth. And, and every time we were on the plane, we just try to learn as much of the languages that we were going to as much as possible. Yeah. You probably probably picked up a bit of the language while you were there, actually. I mean, growing up in England, it, it was mandatory for me to learn French believe it or not. Oh, okay. It's, it's wow. Uh, what we do after we leave school, it doesn't matter, but it, there was a mandate that we learned French. So I just did enough to be able to pass the French exam and that was it. And I, I stopped speaking. So <laughs> I've spoken. So we're fortunate that most countries in the world speak English today, by the way. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you 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 hinted on this before. You've done these work, this work in the shelters, but on top of that, the people who are not in shelters do you do this work with just underprivileged people and children or the unfortunate. And if you do, where where does that happen? You just how do you get groups together to to talk to people about that, or or, or to mo- the, motivate them? Where, where how do you arrange such a thing like that so you can talk to them or there must be some is it something on the internet or the newspaper we're looking for volunteers to speak to these people how, how did you come across that well there's there's various ways that's definitely one of them where there's volunteer work that everybody always wants a volunteer to come in and speak and yeah. help um and that's probably the easiest way to go because if you create the event yourself then there's work you've got to put in it and there's money you probably got to invest to rent a mm-hmm. building or or you know all the things you need for mics and DJs and anything yeah. like that uh that's the route i now go cuz i love creating my own events when you create your own event you're mm-hmm. more in charge and control of what happens oh, yeah so 
it's a process. And uh, let me just say, Google's my best friend. <laughs> anything you want, anything you need, it's out there. Just ask Google and he'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Well, cool. Um, you've done, you've written a book. Uh, what is it called? Uh, Nothing, nothing sexier sex- than freedom. It's quite the term. Nothing sexier than freedom. Well, yeah, it's actually a good term to use. And what do you mean? To be free, it means something. But can you explain that? Nothing sexier than freedom. I mean, what does it mean to you, freedom? Well, yeah, great question. I mean, freedom obviously means something different to everybody. But I know for me, it means to be fluid. To um, and I think it's kind of stuck in my head from when I was a child, and you know my mom moved around a lot, and I used to watch uh, Bruce Lee movies a lot, and I love Bruce Lee, and one of his quotes had had always stuck with me since I was a kid, and it was "Be like water," and then Jay Krishnamurti is a famous philosopher, and he wrote a book called "Total Freedom," and after I read that, I just realized, you know. Freedom is just what it is, and it's it's free. And if you put something over freedom, then that becomes freedom becomes whatever that thing is, which is no longer free. So uh, I just realized like both of them were right, and it's like this energy that just keeps moving, and and it just I it it I implemented in everything in my life, and now freedom to me is just it's free energy. It's it's movement. It's if I want to do something, I can do it. But if there's something holding me back, obligations, attachments, then I'm not at my full capacity to feel free. Mm. Yeah, we're very fortunate living here. What do you think right. about the status of freedom in the United States where we live today? What do I think about the status? I mean, uh, do you think we are a free society here? I don't. I don't think so. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I think that we are, I think we believe we are, but, you know, if you, I think it goes back to, you know, if you, it goes back to individuality, because I think you're capable of it to a certain extent, but if somebody shames you for saying like free speech right now, or if you say the wrong term about somebody or anything, you get bashed for it and, and then you have to hide and that's not freedom. And the person that's saying that's doing that, they're not living in freedom themselves. I don't think so. Because again, you're using, you're using shame to, to uh, cover freedom and it's not fair to freedom. (laughs) It's not fair to freedom itself. Yeah. Yeah. I just wondered whether you actually uh, looked at, um, but I do understand there has to be order. <laughs> oh, order oh, absolutely. Is good. Yeah. yeah. The World Population Review, uh, they issue the World Freedom Index, indexes in the world that classify countries, mm-hmm. what they're good at, what they're not so good at. And there's one mm-hmm. called the Freedom Index. Have you ever looked at that? No, I have not. Yeah, there's three, three categories, basically personal freedom, economic freedom, and um, human freedom. And it, it, it rates them, and there's about 76 types of categories. It goes from rule of law, security, safety, uh, identity, identify and relationships and all that. It goes on and on and on, uh, government, mm-hmm. trust of government, things like that. Who do you think is number one in the world? I'm number one. 
Because <laughs> without me, I, I, there's I, I, no world. As long as you feel that way, that's 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 the most important. But on a country basis, what do you think? Uh, number one in the world. I mean, based on the news and the things I hear, I I guess from what friends have told me, they think it's China. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, all our stuff is from there, so maybe. <laughs> Actually, there's two there's, there's two types of freedom indexes, but the one I've just mentioned to you, uh, New Zealand, New Zealand, New Switzerland. Zealand. I guess so. Yeah, they're my one of my friends are there. Yeah, New Zealand, says. Switzerland, and Hong Kong third, and they come ranked high up in this product. USA comes fifteenth uh, for wow. whatever reason. Uh, but there's another type of freedom that sort of could be classed as dubious is the moral freedom index mm. right and it studies uh quite some things religion bioethics drugs uh sexual orientation gender and mm-hmm. think about the world those, those categories and the number one country is no surprise to me when i read this the netherlands it's pretty much an open hmm. society. If you've been to the Netherlands, you'd understand that, you know, because obviously they have they have a large gay community there, and you can buy drugs, and it's all legal. And so Netherlands, <laughs> Portugal, and Canada, but the USA comes what thirty eighth down that list. So, wow. But it's an interesting list. So type in the World Freedom Index, and you go down the list. And most of it's understandable. Oh, I can see why, but it's uh, it's curious. And then you can read how they got to these results. So anyway, just, right. just sort of thought. Yeah. Just sort of thought for you. Anyway. Now, travel. Tell me some of the better places you've been to that sort of created a decent memory for you and a memory enough that will stick with you, apart from around Paris. But where else have you been to, including the ones that you really didn't like? <laughs> what comes to mind well, as good and top of the you know the like the, the good or the best three or the worst three for example mm-hmm. i would say the ones that stick out in my mind the top three that stick out in my mind are rwanda obviously because it's beautiful mm-hmm. uh, it's africa and it, safari i mean it's not like going to the zoo here in the u.s <laughs> uh it's green it's it's so diverse the people are so kind and and um it's not like anywhere i've ever been the second place would be um cairo egypt and i and i'm saying that because it definitely was not my favorite place but it's a place i would love to go back to to maybe change that perspective um i think it was a little bit uh scary for me because, um, it was just me and my best friend were two females, young females. And it's, I mean, it was a little bit challenging for us. It was a, it's a culture shock, especially as women yep. and seeing the women there and the poverty there. And, uh, and it was, it was not as clean as I had thought it was going to be, you know, streets of gold. Maybe <laughs> I had a different vision in my mind. Um, and I made it all the way to the pyramids. And right when I got there, we found out it was closed on a Sunday at the time that we got there. So Are it's like, I have me? to go redeem myself. Yeah. I had to go redeem myself. So I got to see it. Oh, <laughs> I got to see it from, oh. from the gates. Oh yeah. my word. So where else? And then probably the, the 
third place that sticks out to me that I've been to many times is the uh, Redwood Forest right in our own backyards in Oregon. And I just love going there. I love sitting there and being just amazed by how big the trees are. I always like to think of it like the, uh, it was salad for the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. Yeah. Sometimes in just in your backyard or in your neighborhood, it's a, it's a beautiful place and you don't really miss mm-hmm. until, until you're away somewhere. You think, oh, which yeah. Always, um, yeah. Yeah. With, with Cairo, I was there during the first Gulf crisis, uh, which was a bit challenging. And I, I named this as a, the dustiest place in the world because it was so dry and dusty. And I, I virtually lost my voice there. But the day mm-hmm. I did go to the pyramids, which are obviously worth seeing, it was open. But if you go back <laughs> there again, Helen, um, there's one of the pyramids you can go inside. Now, you know the purpose mm-hmm. of pyramids, right? They put the, 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 mm-hmm. the deceased body in the center of the pyramid. But there's one you can walk inside. It's a bit spooky, but you can walk up a ramp and go in the center of the pyramid. And yeah. So that that's that's worth a, a good. Did thing. you go to the museum? There's a museum right there by the pyramids. Yes. Yeah, I went. Oh, there. oh yeah, they yeah. have one in Cairo also, and I went to that one, yeah. and it was just it blew my mind. The hieroglyphs and just I, I just I I couldn't even keep walking because I just wanted to read every and look at everything I was looking at and take it all in. It was so amazing. Yeah. It's amazing in this something spectacular like that and how long did it take them to build these things. And of course, when the musician Yanni did a concert there, it sort of brought back the memories of of when Mm -hmm. I was there, but obviously it's it's a a very crowded city, uh, but it does have sort of a, it's different from, from anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Well, I do hope uh, you can go back there, but if you had to say, Yes, I went here and I just didn't like it. What? Where would that be? Cairo. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that, yeah. you know, uh, anywhere else. Uh, yeah. Um. Gosh, uh, I would say Greece then. Uh, Athens, Greece. Yep. And I think I I would have to say that because it's hard for me to see poverty and not be able to do something about it. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not talking about the poverty in the U.S. because I got to say there was working in the shelters and also being, you know, in homeless shelters when we were kids was completely different than the homeless and the the poverty that I saw in other countries by far. Huge difference. And that's what really shifted my mind on what really is homeless. You know, what yeah. what do I identify as homeless and true poverty? Just, I just thought of something when you mentioned that. I had a guest, I spoke to a guest probably uh, about a month and a half ago, and she did volunteer work in three of the most, I call them unimaginable places on the planet where poverty is so rife. And that's the city of God in Rio. And I, I know about the place. I never went there, but I, I was I was in Rio working there. There's a place just south of the city there. And uh, there's a place called La Chereca in uh, Managua, just out of Managua in Nicaragua and India, certainly. Mm-hmm. And this girl, her name is Lisa, Lisa Skatulski. Check my podcast out about her, read about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you'd like to hear her story about it, just I'm sure she'd be happy, more than happy to talk to you. But she volunteered there to do work to help the locals, and it is quite commendable stuff she did mm-hmm. so listen to that podcast okay. so anyway i would you class yourself where you are right now 
uh, toggling between Wyoming or, or Phoenix. You class yourself as a bit of a nomad there or or what? You, you, I think you use that word in your description. I don't know if it's correct <laughs> or I guess a nomad is somebody who just keeps moving and uh, can't keep still and also a little bit of an adventure. Um, same with gypsy or, or, you know, free spirit, however they want to call them, wild woman, wild person, wild child. Uh, since I was a kid, I got to keep moving. My mom moved with us and I think it just happened to me where I feel like I have to move all the time, whether it's, you know, moving it in person, like dancing or, uh, you know, just moving, constantly moving. And I think that's why I'm so driven to do everything I'm doing because it helps feed my, my, uh, habit of moving (laughs) so much. And I mean, there's so much to see. Why not? The world is a playground. That's the way I see it. And the life is a game. So I'm, I'm here to play it. Yep. It's playground, but there's also so many areas of beauty. And also it's just, it's a great thing just to mix with foreign cultures to find out how mm-hmm. they live in the world. Finding out. Yeah. yeah. So I call it. Oh yeah. I'm obsessed with National Geographic. And, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't watch and... much TV, but I, I tend to watch programs like National Geographic and uh, yeah. uh, Discover Channel. It's a good thing mm-hmm. to do. You have plenty of time to uh, fulfill your bucket list or whatever you want to call it. You've got plenty of places or plenty of time to do it. And that's what I always say to people. Do it while you can. You yes. know, there will come a time when we both will not be able to travel a whole lot. We don't want to have any regrets. So I'm, I'm sure right. you'll have that. You seem to have that in your uh, your brain cells to do that stuff, which is a good thing. Do it while you can. Um, now, you have a podcast called Sexy Freedom Media Podcasts, and it's on. I just got it on the screen here. It's, uh, well, Google Podcasts, but it's everywhere. And you just want to tell the people out there a little bit about that? Sure. So my podcast is a diverse variety of subjects. Uh, I, again, based on the idea of freedom of expression, not so much freedom of speech, but (laughs) expressing yourself and telling your story. And uh, I, as the host, I want to know different stories, different backgrounds, different, um, everything. I'm hungry for, for creativeness. I'm hungry for different stories. I'm fear, courage, every feeling in the book. Like I like to think of it as like crayons. Okay. I want a full box, not just eight colors. I want like that big box of different colors. And that's what my podcast is about different things. Well, that's great. There's always something to learn out there. Yeah, I'm, yes. a bit older. I'm a bit older than you, Helen, but I, the one thing that keeps me going is the quest to learn about stuff. I always got to learn yes. something new every day. I learn a lot by traveling, but I understand what you're saying. You can learn a lot from other people, the feelings and stuff. So that's uh, what your podcast actually talks about. Excellent. People can find that in the usual places of Spotify and um, iTunes, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> now it's also got your website on the screen here, Sex, Sexy Freedom, and it's got some uh, great pictures on there, but that's a good description, Sex, sexyfreedom.com. Yeah, there you go. Uh, 
and they they can read stuff about you, your podcast, and the book, which mm-hmm. we referenced earlier on, right? And the book is yep. available on what the Amazon or whatever. If they Amazon, can. Barnes and Nobles. It's nothing sexier than freedom. Okay, excellent. <laughs> so it's, it's there. All right, excellent. Yeah, I've, I've looked at a bit. Of, I have to listen to one of your podcasts actually and read a bit about your book. In fact, I need to do more reading myself. You know, yes, another yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. where it is. I tell you, after lockdown last last, well, I'm in Florida, so not really lockdown here. But after last year, which I made a point in trying to stay indoors as much as possible, I still always found stuff to do. So, anything else you want to say? Yeah. Oh, so they can reach you. That's your website, of course. Uh, you're on Instagram, and obviously, you've got the podcast going. You've got a lot of stuff going on. You seem to be quite yes. busy, right? That, <laughs> yes, that's good. As travelers, um, you know, for me, the last last summer was amazing. I took to traveling as a solo traveler, you know, because I knew I needed to get away from people and quarantine myself in nature. So I did just that. I went camping a lot and went to different states that I'd never been to and met other travelers along the way. And over the last six months, I think I went to 16 different states. So, you know, one of the things I want to say is that if you feel calling this for your audience, if you feel calling, you know, that voice only gets louder. That's the passion to go, you know, like you mentioned earlier, some people don't want to move. Some people don't want to make moves. Well, here's the facts, people you're moving. It's just up to you to decide in which direction. Yeah, exactly. And how, how ambitious you want to get, but you, you were camping, right? So literally camping in a, in a tent, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. There's still a lot of people yeah. who do that today. I, I was, I, I was a boy yeah. scout when I was young and I, I, I did my share of camping back then. Uh-huh. Uh, but I did camp three years ago, but it was ridiculous. I camped in the Mongolian wilderness in a tent. Wow. However, it's one of the Mongolian tents called a Jur, so it's probably a, a more structurally safe tent. But I did it. Helen, if you've got any urge to get away from it all and be sort of isolated or secluded, whatever you want to call it, go to the Mongolian wilderness, Okay. sleep in a tent, <laughs> spend the time with the nomads, and hold some big vultures on your arm. Great experience. Yeah, so yeah that would be amazing. Yeah, you, I'd you, love that. you've got to do it. So. I've got pictures on my website, by the way. You can check that out, but that's a wonderful experience. Well, look, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. Okay. Uh, But uh, thanks for joining me. Appreciate that. You've got a great story to tell, and I wish you all the best for the future. Whatever you do, you're you're doing great, and uh, whether it's volunteer work or traveling to obscure places, I wish you well. Good luck with the book also. Thank you so much, Malcolm, for having me on. My pleasure. (laughs) Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, malcolmjteasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.